You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts always be pleasing to you, our Lord, our God. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning to you again. Good morning. Good morning. It is um, good to be here. I, uh, I love the family of which God has planted me in. And uh, I'm just incredibly grateful to be able to be here, to be a part of this church, and to be a part of God's mission in Austin. And to be um, a part of the stories that are being told among God's people out of this congregation is just uh, awesome. And so uh, I hope you feel the same way about what God has planted among us as I do. We're going to be talking today about being set free. All of you, I will proclaim in the name of the Lord, have been set free in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been set free from your own junk. You've been set free from yourself. And you've been set free even from your success. Anything that you want to hold on to here on this earth, you have been set free from. Amen. Because whether it's good or bad, if it's of this earth and we're holding on to it, it somehow will come to enslave us. But if we just release it to the Lord, the good and the bad, we've been set free. And so today we are going to talk about, I'm going to share with you what Scripture is teaching us about being set free in Christ Jesus to live in the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that He has given to us. That we have been set free from ourselves to navigate our own lives, to organize our own lives, but we've been set free to live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so this morning, I want to read again the scriptures that Aaron read to us and um, share with you some background uh, uh, regarding the Holy Spirit and what the church believes regarding the Holy Spirit as we begin to uh, delve into the words of Paul to the Galatians in addressing specific issues that are happening with them. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposite to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I always like buts after that, or however... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So if we are set free by Christ to live under the Spirit, then Paul's imperative to us in this scripture is to walk by the Spirit. His, it, it, an imperative is not, well, if it's a good day, I'll do it. Well, if I completely understand what it means to walk by the Spirit, then I'll do it. The imperative from Paul is to walk by the Spirit. It is not an option for followers of Jesus who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, who have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to say, well, I'm going to take a vacation from being guided by the Holy Spirit. That's not an option. And Paul, in this specific passage, is saying, if you are walking by the Spirit, then some of the things that I've addressed in the chapters prior to would probably not be a big issue. But you're walking according to, what's the other word he used, was the flesh by our own minds. The NIV interprets that word as sinful nature. Other translations use the flesh. In other words, it's this spiritual warfare that goes on between being guided by the Spirit of God and being guided by us. And it's just that simple. And when we are left to our own devices, um, we will not walk according to the Spirit. The church believes, first of all, is that the Spirit is given to you as a gift. When we confess Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him, then we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter teaches in Acts chapter 2, if you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is only for those who are pious. No. All who believe, old, young, and far off, even Gentiles, everyone will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My friends, I don't know about you, but outside of the good news of my reconciliation to God and Jesus Christ, that's good news to me. That the Holy Spirit lives in me and is a gift from God. That's powerful. The second thing the church believes, and before I leave that, the Holy Spirit then, uh, in our uh, baptismal vows, when we, when we go through the sacrament of baptism, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Father Sean does it every time to every candidate of baptism. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now you, regardless of whether or not you walk with the Spirit in the way God's wanting you to, it's imperative that we believe what I'm sharing with you. The Spirit is in you. The other reality about the Spirit of God that Paul teaches us is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can do things in our own lives that doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to thrive within us. That we can walk in such ways as where the Holy Spirit has a hard time changing us. Guiding us. We have a hard time hearing the Holy Spirit because of all of these earthly distractions in our lives. We have a hard time seeing what God is doing in front of us by the power of the Holy Spirit because of the life that we're living. Please don't hear me saying in that that you are outside of the kingdom of God and that your salvation is in jeopardy. I'm not saying that. We can quench the Holy Spirit. The other thing about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus teaches us in John 14 and 16 that we are guided by the Spirit. That he guides us. That he is the teacher, he's the counselor, he's the comforter. And he's one that walks with us, paraclete. That's what Jesus teaches us about this Holy Spirit. And that this Holy Spirit was going to come, John, uh, or Jesus uh, told uh, his disciples. And in Luke, or in Luke's second uh, uh, writing, the book of Acts, he says, you wait here until what comes? The power on high. 
One of the ways Peter was val- it was validated for Peter that the Lord was bringing Gentiles into the church is that the Gentiles did as the Israelites did. <clears throat> they experienced speaking in tongues. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's like, whoa, this is a big deal. This is the background of the Spirit that I want you to be aware of as we listen to what Paul is sharing with these Christians. Because these Christians in Galatia that Paul is speaking to, that he's writing to, know very well the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul teaches them that or reminds them of that at the beginning of this book. You witness the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. They know the Holy Spirit. But what they have done is tried to take over. They've tried to run this thing. And as Andrew uh, brought to our attention a couple of weeks ago when he was speaking, the, um, the, the people that have bewitched them, the people that have uh, kind of taken their legs out from under them, so to speak, are the Jewish people that have come from other parts of the world to say circumcision is a must. And Paul is saying, nope. If you succumb to that teaching, then you just neglected. You've just rejected the grace of Almighty God that has saved you. And so this is the context in which Paul speaks these words. Walk by the Spirit. And the obvious thing to me prior to this chapter or prior to this this, uh, verse is they haven't been completely walking with the Spirit. And so there's these divisions among them. Three things I want you to think about as I continue going forward. One is the presence of God. It is a gift. It is a gift to you. The almighty, powerful presence, empowering presence of the Spirit of God living in you. Paul says, your body is a temple of that Holy Spirit. Take care of it. The second thing I want you to remember is um, the purpose of the Spirit. Why does God give us His Spirit? Why, what is one of the purposes for God giving us His Spirit? And that is to guide us, to teach us, to change us. If we're going to be the people that go from the first list of sinful things to the second virtues that Paul mentions here, there's some serious changing got to happen, right? None of that applies to you though. I understand that. You came into this kingdom like that second list, didn't you? Full of patience, full of love, full of joy. No jealousies among you. None of that stuff. You came in all right. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to change us. And the last thing is power. The Holy Spirit is power. It's power in our lives. You may think, well, well there's no way, Perry, that, that God can do for me what you're talking about. I, I've been going with God. I've been walking with God for 20 years, and I'm still struggling with this same sin or this same hate or this same whatever. It will take God's almighty power to change that if we will open ourselves up to the work of Almighty God in our lives. Paul refers to that as walking. Walking with the Spirit. Not away from the Spirit or not contrary to to the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. I've looked at this passage, I couldn't tell you how many times in my life as a Christian, in my life as a leader in the church. And um, during uh, preparation for this sermon, it probably, probably the first time it really ever dawned on me, the community aspect of this passage. I've always looked at it, or tended to look at it, as an individual thing. This is the fruit of the Spirit in Perry's life. 
And so seeing these, um, these words um, in, in that way, I always tried to apply it individually. I don't think that's Paul's intention at all. That's just the way Perry looked at it for a while. Because we tend to do that as Westerners, don't we? What is it, what's in it for me? How do I look at this? But I believe the intention of Paul in this passage is a community. And so when he mentions the fruit of the Spirit, he's just not saying, hey, Perry, is the fruit of the Spirit with you. Is, is the fruit of the Spirit with resurrection? Is this fruit of patience and love and joy exemplified in us as a family? That's what I believe his major intent is. Now, do we um, manifest those uh, fruits? Do we um, produce those fruits? Uh, the Spirit produce them in us? Yes, individually he will. Collectively, corporately, I believe is what he's getting at. Because that's how you end the problems. Is you corporately manifest these things. You corporately want to be, uh, f- uh, allow the Spirit to produce fruit in us. Not individually. Much of what Paul is talking about in this passage has to do with ethics. Behavior. The first one are an unethical, bad behaving people. Poor behaving people that called themselves Christians that were a part of the church. The second list that begins with love is behavior, ethical behavior of God's people. All of those characteristics, all of those virtues that are mentioned in the second list beginning with love are characteristics we would use to describe God in many ways. He's a God of peace. He's a God of love. For the joy of the Lord, he is a God of kindness. He is a God of goodness. The only one that will not fit a characteristic for God is self-control. I believe God pretty much knows how to control himself. All those others are virtues or attributes, characteristics we give to God. God claims for himself. He's a God of goodness. He's a God of peace. He's a God of love. And so, should it surprise us that the fruit of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is his characteristics? We are to be a people of the light by walking with the Spirit. And so let's look at these few, few, many attributes that are here. The first one is love. And the word that's used for love there is agape, which is the word that is commonly used for the love to describe God, is agape love. It is a sacrificial love. It is a love that always gives for the other. Always gives for the other. It is for the sake of others' love. Sacrificial on the person who is giving the love, most times, but it's always about the other. Jesus so loved the world that he gave himself. Sacrificial for others' love. And so the fruit of the Spirit, uh, or this characteristic of love, is what we are to be behaving like. Now, if you're anything like me, that's... um, a challenge, isn't it? Because I don't always love. I just can, I can remember a conversation with Wendy in the truck yesterday that was a little snippy. Just a little snippy. And I'm like, ah, oh. You know, my own self, just convicted. Like, how do you, and it's just so easy to get sucked into that, isn't it? You just get a little snippy, a little edgy with the one you love the most. And I'm thinking, it was just over something silly. So these characteristics that we are to display, they don't always come out like we want them to do. Thanks be to God for his forgiveness and love. 
And so this walking in the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit, is an ongoing, never-ending desire to walk. Not is only, or always get it right kind of walk. It's a constant desire to want to be buddied up with the Spirit of God and allow Him to change us. I need to know what that love looks like, and it's in the face of Jesus Christ. It's where you see that love beautifully displayed for me and for you. Well, guess what Paul is saying? We need to be a community that displays that love. Well, if you look at that first list, how much of that love, first list, how much of that love is happening? Pretty challenging for some of those folks, isn't it? But what about the, what about the, the people in the community that have to deal with that? Ah, just kick them out. Is that love? Well, just accept them, let them do whatever they want to do. Is that love? So guess what we need the Holy Spirit to do? To teach us how to love well. And not just allow everything to happen, but to never give up on the hope of love. The second one that is mentioned is joy. And I want to read a quote. That's what I've been looking for here, playing with my phone. Not that I'm texting or talking to God or anybody, but one of the most, um, one of the, one of the most uh, um, influential books for me in understanding the Holy Spirit was written by a guy named Gordon Fee, and it's called God's Empowering Presence. And in this book, he goes through all of the passages of the Apostle Paul regarding the Spirit of God. It's about that thick. And it's just a wonderful book. I love Gordon Fee. And he writes this regarding joy. Paul is probably not thinking so much of the personal individual experience of joy, but of the joy that characterizes life together in Christ. That sound a whole lot like about a lot. Does that sound a lot like who we are as resurrection, doing life together in the goodness of God? And so when I read that, I went, Sean stole that from Gordon Fee out of his book. <laughs> Do you know what? That's the kind of joy that the Spirit produces in his people, us. Life in Christ, and therefore life by the Spirit, is a life of joy. Such joy is to characterize the Christian community above all else. I don't know about you, but I've run into a lot of my friends um, in the teaching profession, and even before, they would say some of the most miserable people I ever met were... You filled in the blank. Why are we not known in our communities as people of joy? Just happy, joyful, grateful people. And where would that joy come from? First and foremost, that joy comes from being reconciled to Almighty God, being in a right relationship with Him, being righteous by the faithfulness of Jesus to God. I mean, if that didn't bring a smile to your face, joy to your heart, I don't know what will. But then that kind of joy being radiating from us as a family of God, as a people of God, that when people see us, they would go, that guy's happy. That guy's joyful. That guy's something's going on. That is a fruit of the Spirit of Almighty God. Secondly, joy comes, as I shared this morning when I first stood up. I love hanging out with you guys. It is such a blast to do life together with you. Wendy and I at times have not been very well connected to a church for various reasons at times. And there's just an emptiness in, your, in my gut, in our gut, because we just know life happens with God's people. And there's a joy about that, knowing people and loving people and helping people and serving people. 
There's a joy to that that comes from God. The third word is peace. The fruit of peace, love, joy, peace. That we are right with God and there's a peace about that for us. That God has made us right with himself and the world. And who can take that from you? No one. It is God's gift to you via the Holy Spirit, that peace. Does that peace mean that, um, um, that, that things always go well? You're not anxious, you're not fearful, you're not nervous about some things? Ask the uh, Rogers and see if that's the case in their life right now. Moving. My brother-in-law moved from Columbus, Ohio to Phoenix, Arizona. I called him a couple of days ago because I believe the Spirit put him on my heart to say, just call and love on that guy. Just let him hear your voice. He's lived in Ohio all of his life. He packs his family up and moves to Phoenix for a job. My sister-in-law, Wendy's sister, has lived there all her life. They've never left there for a long period of time. Packed up and moved, and they're in Phoenix. And it's 120 stinking degrees. What the heck have we done is what they're saying. When the movers came in, they said, hey, do you want us to empty your boxes for you? And they said, yeah, well, guess where they put all the stuff in the box? The contents. On the floor. I'm like, why didn't they just stack the boxes in the room? And so you, he sent me some pictures, and I go, man, you would have, if I lived in a place like that, you'd put me in a hospital. It's just a mess. So I just called him, and he said, man, it's good to hear your voice. It brings peace to my heart, is what he said. Community. Peace is fruit. So even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of transi- transitions, even in the midst of life happening around us, there's peace from the God of peace to his people, us. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. The fourth one is patience or forbearance is the word. Patience in the sense of, when's this line at HEB going to get shorter? Why don't they put some new cashiers out here? You know, we, no. Forbearance in just doing life in this world absent of what God has for us. Forbearance of working with the people of God. Could you imagine the work that it's going to take to get this congregation back on the right track? You know, if you were a leader in that church and you're hearing this ammunition from Paul, you're reading this letter from Paul, could you imagine being one of the leaders that is there to lead this place? Oh my goodness. Would it take a great deal of patience and forbearance to endure that for the long haul? It's tough. Guess where we get the power to do that? Guess where we get the insight to do that? Guess where we get the guidance to do that? The Holy Spirit. That is a fruit that he promises us. The next one is kindness. And kindness in uh, the way that Paul is, is wanting it to use, in the way Paul has used it in other letters that he's written, is kindness is the active part of love. Kindness is the active part of love. My favorite phrase to use whenever, you know, in my family or other places, things kind of get a little edgy is, be nice. Just be nice and be kind. Well, again, it doesn't always happen because sometimes you get a little edgy and things, but maybe we could just tell ourselves over and over again, be nice, be nice, be nice. And let the Spirit produce that in us. Because remember, you can't, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be active in your life. He wants to produce this fruit. Do you want it? It's kindness. 
being kind to one another. Goodness. Goodness is doing good towards others. As I, I share with you guys uh, when I'm usually up here, stories about school. Uh, I just finished summer school teaching out in Del Valley with kids that need to go to summer school. So they're the uh, low of the lows and they're the ones that need to keep working um, through the next six weeks to kind of have a, um, to start well when they're going to the next grade that they're going to, whether it's um, fourth grade or sixth grade or wherever they're going. And so working with these kids uh, at the beginning of summer school is a challenge because they just want to play. It's like, ah, it's a playground. Let's just go play. I got my buddies again, you know, so I'm going to meet some new friends. And I'm like, guys, it's time to work. (laughs) You need to be reading. You need to be doing math. You need to be practicing your math facts. And so it's very easy to have an edge to your voice all the time when working with those kids. Very easy. But you know how much that motivates them? So they're... What I have asked the Holy Spirit to do with me when I'm in those situations, because I'm very stressed, I feel pressured to get these kids, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, is God, let my words be words of kindness and goodness as they are challenging these kids to stay on track, to stay focused. Let it not always be heard as, Mr. Coon's an angry old man. You're mean. But what happens... When I left on Thursday, many kids coming up to me and going, Mr. Coon, how come you're not staying for the rest of the three weeks? I go, one is I want to go fishing and, you know. (laughs) Plus a lot of those kids would drop out. But, and it just warms my heart. It's like, all right, Holy Spirit, continue to work. Continue to use me in a strong way to be a model for these kids and to challenge these kids that they have to step up. But also let my tone, my words be words of goodness and kindness. That those kids, even though they hear it stern, they hear love. They hear somebody who cares about them. They hear somebody who loves them. And I'm not afraid to tell my kids I love them all the time. Not one little bit. They may think, ah, you know, all teachers say that. But I don't say it just to say it. The next word is faithfulness. Paul means two things by this. One is being faithful to each other in the community. How faithful are they being to one another? One is they have these, this teaching going on of you must be circumcised if you're going to be a legitimate follower of Jesus. And so there's this dissension in the body. But then there's also this faithfulness to their call of God of being God's people. Being faithful to Jesus and being faithful to what they have taken vows. Vows of loyalty to Jesus, that you are the Savior of the world. You are the Son of God. But then loyalty to each other. I've lived in this world a long time, guys. Loyalty is not one of the values that we have in our culture. We will ditch spouses like that. We will ditch careers like that. We will ditch friends like that. What Paul is talking about here is loyalty to your fellow brothers and sisters. In Christ. Faithfulness to them and faithfulness to God and his work through these people. In Galatia, South Austin. Staying faithful to each other and to his call. That is a fruit of the Spirit. The next one is um, gentleness. And the word that comes to um, uh, the work that I did in this, the word that um, is behind this gentleness is aspect of humility and meekness. 
I don't know about you, but when I read through this, uh, one of the uh, passages of scriptures that keep coming to my mind is the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. A lot of these characteristics are the same. Gentleness. I believe the most important, one of the most important virtues that we could ever have in life, my friends, is humility. I also believe it's one of the most challenging ones to develop in your own life. It is a fruit of the Spirit. If you want the humility in which Jesus values, he gives grace to whom? The humble. He opposes whom? The proud. And so this virtue of humility is one that comes from the Spirit of God, of which we must desire, of which I believe our world does not value. In fact, we'll take advantage of you if you are a humble, gentle, meek person. They will see you as prey. How do we stay faithful to the call in the midst of that? And the last one is self-control. And again, this is the one in the list, my friends, that, does, that doesn't um, have a characteristic associated with God. It's self-control. Many of the lists on the first list of the um, um, works of the flesh were just sinful works. Were just works where you are just out of control. Mob mentality almost among the people in the community. Self-control. Where do we learn? Where do we learn self-control? How does we get self? Or how do we um, become one who is in control of ourselves? Paul says it's a fruit of the spirit. But how many times do we try to control ourselves? How many times do we read um, self-help books? Ten ways to control yourself. Ten ways to get ahead of something. Ten ways to be successful. Ten ways to whatever. We can get control of this. And it's all an illusion, a lie. The only way we have control is when we release it to God. And let him control and trust him that he will produce these things in our lives. If I did a survey right now and I said, how many of you want these fruits, um, this fruit manifest in your life? I bet every one of you would do that and then try to do it on your own. The obvious contrast in this passage, guys, is works of the flesh, works of the spirit. If you continue to do the works of the flesh, you would devour one another, the scripture teaches us. You will bite and devour one another and consume each other. In other words, if that kind of dissension were happening here at resurrection, resurrection would end in time. It'd just be gone. Fruit of the Spirit is what Paul is encouraging, mandating the followers of Jesus in Galatia to produce, to be submissive to the Spirit in their lives. How is God going to change you? Which of these fruit, which of this fruit that I mentioned is something you're saying, Perry, that's what I need. Hopefully you're all going, all of them, I need all of them. Which ones? God's presence is in your life. God's power is in your life. It is in you. God's power there. God's presence is there. And God's purpose in your life is there. So what I'm asking you to do as we sit in silence for a few minutes and reflect is God give me the humility 
to submit to what this is saying. That's one. The other is, it's just this simple prayer, nonstop in your life. Hands out, open heart, come Holy Spirit. Come. And just pray that. Humility and prayer. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.